I don't know, we were hanging out with somebody and we said that our gig the night before had gotten picketed by a bunch of concerned mothers. Because we were, yeah, we were like joking about the fact that we were like touring with Sonic Youth. We're like, yeah, you know, like... This is going to be it. This is going to be the new dangerous <laughs> music, you know, like, kids are going to be on to this, and w- what does the dangerous music need is, like, a, a concerned parental group against it. And so it's like, okay, if it's not going to happen, at least, I guess we could yeah. just make it happen. So we started you know? telling everybody yeah. about yeah. it, and... Uh... It, there was, like, in one interview, someone, maybe Olsen, dropped the fake thing, so, you know, and we made a list. Made the website. Of, like, gateway bands. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's like right. Radiohead <laughs> and Pink Floyd. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, you know, just the classic people are going saying that, like, John Cage uh, 433 is about uh, the amount of active components in marijuana. Um, you know, just completely <laughs> wrong information. So, it's like... <laughs> Hi, this is Jack Callahan, and you are listening to 400 Floor. You just heard from Aaron Dillaway and Twig Harper, two figureheads of the American underground music scene whose 30-plus year journeys overlap with so many key players and whose projects spawn so many trends and communities, it boggles the mind. We discuss childhood experiences with music, their origins circling around Ann Arbor, that legendary hotbed of 20th century American music, Plus their history with old friend and longtime bandmate Andrew W.K. and his relation to a shadowy figure named Steve Mike, who seemed to hold such power over Twig and Aaron that they actually refused to comment. This episode has been edited from the full conversation, which is available at 400floor.com. That's the number 400 and the word floor.com. This is 400 Floor. Let's go on and get into it. Hello, guys. Thank you very much for joining me today. I'm joined by Mr. Twig Harper and Mr. Aaron Dillaway. And I am going to start off with my customary question. And how about I ask Twig first? Um, How did you uh, first get exposed to music? And what was the genesis of your interest in music as a young person? Was it parents family, uh, friends. Yeah. What's, what is that story? Well, I think for me, um, I really wasn't, wasn't exposed to much music as a young child. Um, don't really ever remember it affecting me or like being that interested in, in in it. And I was, I mean, my, my parents had a lot of art books. Uh, they were both artists. And so I was really into this Salvador Dali book and I was I was really kind of like as a young kid I would just pour over these this you know Dali's work and it's just I think that really got my brain in a specific frequency and um I kind of got my mother uh got divorced remarried and one of her um partners played bass in a in a like a bar band blues band and I was like, oh, whoa, cool music, yeah. And I was also kind of like starting to hear, getting into skateboarding and hearing, um, you know, interesting music via skateboarding and like making friends that way. And uh, I asked for a guitar because I wanted to make loud music and he gave me acoustic guitar and 
that was not <laughs> the thing, right? And so, <laughs> um, and so I kind of figured, like, well, how else can I make music this way, right? That 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 I kind of want to have I already have this kind of abstract brain, um, thinking at it in this in a more of an art 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 abstract art art brain, right? And uh, so. I just started, I figured out I had a cassette player and I figured out I could tape over the uh, erase head. So that was, you know, generally for me, the first thing was just like sound on sound. And I was making cassettes mostly for me and my friends to take mushrooms to. And we just, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So I'd be like, oh, cool. I'll just make this like, you know, fill this cassette up uh, and we'll just like listen to radio Where are those static. tapes? Yeah, we no need idea. those tapes. Yeah, oh, no man. shit. Yeah, and I just like put on, I don't you know, just like also just like scan stuff and just like, I remember one version was just taking parts of like Butthole Surfers songs and just like looping already stuff that's like way too intense, <laughs> you know, just adding <laughs> wow. that. And then, yeah, we just take like, my, it was, it was like, a, and so this was like, was like 15 in South Florida. Um, and so. From there, I just kind of like, it was like, oh, this works. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, a pretty, that's a pretty, I mean, I'm not surprised that that's the origin story, but that's, that's pretty amazing. That's Chris. So, like, so you guys were just doing, this is before you had any conception of, like, music scene around anything like that or whatever, obviously. Had you heard, like, Pink Floyd or anything? Um, no, I kind of remember because, like, for me, it was like skateboarding, and then so someone was like handing me dubs of just like your standard, you know, what is this late 80s, early 90s punk music. And then I was in like South Florida, and there was really not a scene there. And then this, I remember this one guy moved to town, and then he had cassettes. Um, what did he have? I heard Chrome. Throbbing Gristle, Butthole Surfers, like stuff like that. So like that was kind of like, oh, this stuff is really, this is the vibe I'm 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 into, you know. Some like more industrial things, like Skinny Puppy and stuff. I was like, yeah, it's all right, but not like. But know, that was like the first not, music that grabbed your attention. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. Like I I all the, like radio didn't like I didn't understand it, and uh, I had no like I didn't feel like any connection to it, so it never really pulled me. From there, did you? Not getting the electric guitar, did you eventually get an electric guitar? Did you start? Did you want to start playing music with people, or like how did you get into actually beyond the to take, go, mean, taking the yeah, tape that, collage or beyond? That didn't happen until I moved to Michigan, mm -hmm. and then I moved to Michigan when I was like sixteen, and then there was actually like a music scene and people and people doing music and and um, so. Yeah, eventually, yeah, that did happen. <laughs> yeah. What did you find when you got there? Like, what were what were some of the people or kind of the scenes or whatever that were there at the time in the, like, early, mid-90s? So, I mean, I guess the the spot was was uh, the lab, and that was... Aaron, what was... How do you describe that? Yeah, it's punk house. Yeah. Tiny, ba tiny basement. How many people fit? That, that was basement? a tiny basement. I mean, I feel like that hyenas gig had like a hundred people down there. Did you go the hyenas couch I, one? Was that? Yeah, I mean that was show? like changing. That, that was, was my yeah. yeah. That was when I saw couch and was like yeah. 
yeah, that changed everything. So, so yeah, that's that's the gig. I think everyone who was like, we all were there. That was pretty early on to you after you moved there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was still maybe had. I mean, I got expelled from every high school I went to, and I went to like three high schools, and so because I was just like, <laughs> I was just interested in <laughs> other other activities, o- yeah. other activities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's much more interesting. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. At this point, basically, were you? Did you know that you were really into music? Like, this is like you, music was like your thing at this point. Yeah, mu- music and doing like art and just just being a total. I mean, also for me. I kind of like I think at that time I was just sort of like it's all about it's everything you know music isn't a separate thing it's a whole lifestyle it's a whole uh, complete universe Um, and you know and and I think that's the thing also just you know music was this alternative entry point into a whole nother reality that existed and you could live that and there was communities and worlds and people you know creating their own reality totally. and you could they're be a own, part of it their own context yeah. in the world yeah 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 so uh uh nathan nathan young was in went we were going to community and so yeah me and him connected really tightly then at that point oh wow and that then, early on uh, oh cool when you were mm-hmm. 16 yeah, yeah. or so wow yeah 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 Amazing. yeah yeah i mean it was just i mean it was also just a you know cool time i think uh just all of a sudden there's just you know, I think for me, moving moving from Florida, where there was absolutely zero culture and kind of like not really people doing stuff to this, you know, small, cool town that has a really rich music history of people pushing the boundaries and, um, you know, our peer groups, uh, just people being stoked and wanting to do stuff. So I, w- I was, you know, picking shit. I was super happy. And um, yeah. And it just kind of, you know, I don't know, it was just a cool moment in time where everyone kind of was all appeared and everyone's had had sort of like, you know, brought their own thing into the stew and just kicked, just, we're just all trying to like, I don't know, the vibe I felt like everyone's just trying to outdo, you know, we're all trying to outdo each other together, you know, like, how do we just keep pushing this? How do we just keep pushing this? Like, so then at that point we were you guys were making music together. Oh, well, our high school band was called Scheme, and it was sort of like no fixed membership, no fixed anything, and we just all were like, we just get together and make, like, destroy things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Crash frat parties. Yeah, crash frat parties, like, uh, you know, yeah, get, try to get booked at a party and then just, like, just bring in a bunch of garbage and break everything in that's around uh wow so this is it's not not hyperbole like actually like crash frat parties and try to yeah 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 literally like yeah 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 and yeah. <laughs> like you know roll like we'd like load up a van with a, like got like lamps ch- furniture like small practice amps uh, like roll to houses <laughs> in Ann Arbor where there's like a frat party. Be like, hey, so yeah, we're the band. We're booked to play, and they'd be like, no, no, you're not. You're like, yeah, yeah, we are. And they're like, oh, there must be must be some confusion. Hey, we'll play anyways. You know, so they think they're they're getting they're like getting a, free a deal. Band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, we just want to jam anyways, and then we just like bring in all the garbage, break everything, and then try to grab more stuff and like. You, throw you cut it the power the... someplace once, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so real. 
<laughs> oh. We got booked one year to play a house show and we destroyed it. And uh, then the next year, the guy was trying to show it. I don't know if it's years, whatever. But then he was doing another one. And then we were all like, why didn't he ask us to play again? <laughs> <You know? laughs> totally, totally like uh, offended. Like they should ask us to play. And so he had this other show with this like uh, kind of like a, I don't know what, like a heavy, like funk band playing and so we we're just like fuck it we're gonna play anyways and so we rolled there and we tried to and a bunch of people just started swinging and we started getting into a fight and everyone's just like brawling outside and then our one friend jody like goes and like smashes one of their parents it's like at this kid's parents house smashes one of their parents cars like throws a hose in the front seat and turns on the water. <laughs> you know, it's not good shit. You know, just total like everyone's all bloody and breaking shit. And so we all leave and then like we we get back to the group house and then it was me and um Tom Kleepak. I'm just like we're going back. We're going back. We're going to fucking do this. And so we we drive back and I have like bolt cutters. And stupidly I'm like I'm going to cut the mains to the house and Tom's like no, no. I'm like I can I do it? No, no. He's like, he's like, I'm doing it. I don't care. I don't care. And like when I did it, Tom, Tom was like standing 10 feet back. And he said it looked like a Looney Tunes. Cause like a big blue arc, like of, of, <laughs> of electricity shot out. And he said he saw like, you know, I was like a, you know, a Looney Tune character where you could see my bones and like me getting <laughs> shot away. And he had to like grab me and throw me over his shoulder and like run back <laughs> <laughs> so you obviously you you got like zapped i lost consciousness i don't know oh my god <laughs> yeah, yeah. wow yeah well, yeah yeah still alive. I, you Jesus showed them <laughs> <laughs> i got them Well, so yeah, then why don't we uh, just go back and start all over again with uh, Aaron? What is uh, what was the genesis of you becoming aware of uh, your interest in music or getting into music? Uh, friends, family. What what was your early experience with that? Um, I was into music as far back as I can remember. My brother and sister were nine and ten years older than me. So there was always music around and we got, you know, we got cable TV in like 81 or so. So I was like six years old. So got MTV. And as a little, little kid, I, you know, I was obsessed with Kiss and got a, got a plastic Kiss guitar for Christmas once. And uh, immediately that day broke it in the garage because paul stanley would smash his guitar <laughs> and uh immediately cried but uh no it's just always always into music and and eventually like i played hockey too and uh i got such bad grades in sixth grade that 
or in fifth grade that my mom made me quit playing hockey. And so I got a skateboard and then that led me to, you know, punk music. And as a little kid, I would get, I, you know, I'd get all the magazines, hit parader and faces magazine. And I, I don't know what magazine it was, if it was a skateboard magazine or a, I think it was probably like a hit parader or something where it was a, a catalog to order in the back of, for punk music. And, uh, I had heard punk music in in fourth grade. A kid uh, on my team, his sister was into. Uh, well, his sister was a punker. Had like super cool, like crazy looking. You know, this is like eighty four or something. And he brought in a butthole surfers tape and played Shaw sleeps in Lee Harvey's grave. <laughs> wow, that's a wow, that's a so great that was first the one. first that was the first punk music I ever heard. So. Fast forward a couple years when I finally hear like Sex Pistols and stuff, and it doesn't seem like punk music to me. Seems a bit more tame compared to that early butthole surfer stuff. So I got I got into punk, but I was always looking for something a little more chaotic, and so it it took quite a few years, and uh, you know, getting into like noise rock stuff and. You know, I kind of liked some of that stuff, but there was something else I was looking for. It wasn't really until I saw Couch that I was like, oh, okay, this is it. But yeah, the first time I ever, then that kind of leads me to the first time I ever saw Twig was at um, uh, the Blind Pig, the, the cows played it, the Blind Pig. And it was like the only time I ever remember them having an all ages show. And it was cows and hammerhead and twig was there and he stuck out. He had a, well, he had a butthole, a homemade butthole surfers shirt on. You would like draw on the cover of the first album or something on it. And he had, he had these long dreadlocks with like, uh, what was it? Bra- like, uh, yarn macrame macrame yeah, like yeah, yeah, braided yeah, yeah. into him that went down to like his feet with a bunch of like random garbage also tied in yeah. there. It's like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> high schooler. It, We're talking high schooler right now. Yeah, right? yeah. This was yeah, probably yeah, 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 this yeah. was probably early ninety-two. So like tenth grade or something. So I kept going to gigs and I well, and we would go to Ann Arbor to buy records. And uh, where did you grow what like, what town did you grow up in? Aaron? I grew up in Brighton. It's like a twenty minute drive from Ann Arbor. So we would go up every weekend to Ann Arbor and uh, hit Olga's, and which was like a, a restaurant. We'd, we'd well, we'd hit school kids, and then go to and tower, and then go to Olga's and eat and look at our records. <laughs> but I used to, I would see Twig around town, and I'd be like, "Oh, that's that guy." <laughs> <laughs> Unmistakable. And then, <laughs> then the first time I ever met him was we. I had heard about you because Julie, I was a girl I went to high school with. Um, I, it was, it was me and my buddy, Justin and my friend, John LeMay that were like, uh, into kind of the same music. And I didn't know anyone else in my high school in this, into this stuff. And then I was walking down the hall and I saw Julie had a flyer for a, a lab gig in her locker. And I'm like, Whoa, you know about the lab? Cause this was like, you know, secret underground Ann Arbor place this is like and this is the how it's just like a house venue yeah yeah and i think she had met you guys and was hanging out 
with you guys before I met you. And so, anyways, she, me and Justin had formed a band after seeing Couch, and uh, she played oboe, so we invited her to be in our band. And, um, but yeah, we were all at a at Performance Network to see Couch. You did the you did the uh, check out my new watch trick to me. And that was the first <laughs> time you ever talked to me. What's the check out my new watch trick? I'm see I'm. I might be susceptible yeah. to this until you. So tell me. we're we're in the stands. <laughs> they had stands at the performance network because it was like a yeah. a performance space for like plays and stuff. We're sitting in the stands, yeah. and you you like came and sat next to me and go, "Want to see my new watch?" And I look over, and he had wrapped his dick around his wrist. <laughs> I looked down. I'm like, "What the fuck?" Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a, yeah. So that's... that was our first meeting. Yeah. <laughs> How is this? None of this is surprising me, though, honestly. So. Yeah. the couch gig with the hyenas and it was like you know the closest thing I, to to noise i had seen they played and were just like what the fuck is up with this band and so then a couple months later i went into school kids and i saw they had a record out and i was like how the fuck can this band have <laughs> a record out <laughs> And so I bought it and I got it home and I realized like what they were doing were actual songs. Like I was like, I remember them yelling this at the show. So I, I went, I went back there and this was uh Jeff Walker. Uh, that was, he sang in a band called Gravitar, like a noise, noise rock band. He was working at school kids. I don't think Jim was there yet. And, uh, I said, I bought this record, you know, the other week. Is there anything else like this? So he he handed me the first Carolina record and the first Naked City CD. I I liked the Naked City CD. It was funny to me, but the Carolina record spoke to me much much more. Like that, I was like, yes, this is. I mean, yeah, I mean, you find a record that's made out of garbage, and it's just. I mean, Carolina also was, I think, the thing that. All of us were like, well, this is a total zone that like, ex- for me, I was like, this exists completely out of any sphere I'm familiar with. Um, yeah, it's you still, know. Yeah. and it's just, you know, I mean, it's, it's still that way, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were, they were a huge, huge influence on all of us. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it was because school kids stocked all those records and, mm-hmm. So then when we finally did meet, you know, we're like, oh, you're into Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. You know. Yeah, and Magus was eventually working at School Kids and just turning us on to everything. You yeah. know, like I, he was, you know, we I gave him a tape of my band Galen. And uh, he was like, oh, you guys must be really into like Beefheart and DNA and all the No Wave bands. And I'm like, no, what? You know, like, what like, is I've that? Heard of, <laughs> I've heard of Captain Beefheart and I've seen that record since I was a kid, but. So he he invited us to his place at one point, and 
played us, you know, Trout Mask and that Target video with uh, the DNA footage. And he, and also Sun City Girls was another one, which I had read about as a kid in my punk catalog that I got in sixth grade. You know, it was just this list of, it was uh, the Toxic Shock catalog. And I remember seeing the Sun City Girls in there. That was where I first saw the names Throbbing Gristle, Sun City Girls. So like at this time, just, you know, just I'm always, I'm always curious, like how it was just like catalogs, like how or whatever magazines or like just through people. But like how how were you guys finding out about like the, you know, Japanese noise stuff from that time? Banana Fish was a big, you know, treasure trove of that. And that that was one of the things like I'm buying all this. Yep. I'm looking at this. What is, you know, very important. And so they obviously stock those at school kids, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I mean, it's so cool. It's like Jim's like, Hey, Hey, high school kids, uh, read banana fish magazine. <laughs> so, yeah. Everyone's oh, like, yeah. Oh my God. What the fuck? That's so insane. Yeah. Well, I think the, the boredoms were on my radar through like noise rock stuff, you know? So I'd, like I got, I got soul discharge and but I don't think it was until I met maybe it was when I met Magus I can't remember if it was Roach or Magus that got that like played me like Hanatraj was probably Hanatraj and Garo Gary Gigage were probably oh, the best my my two those are my two personal faves of that scene definitely can you talk a little bit about um, Galen Aaron, about uh, what was what was up with you guys, and how did you, and who was it with, and how did you uh, start it? So that was my friend Justin Allen and I. Um, we were in a bunch of bands starting in probably seventh grade. We had a band with our friend Tim, would do like Bowie covers and Echo and the Bunny Men covers and stuff. And then Justin and I, in like ninth grade or so, started a grunge band. And we're called Smock, classic grunge name. Um, so <laughs> we were in that, and then it was with this other guy that I don't even remember how we met him, but he lived in like Farmington or something. I played drums, Justin played guitar, and this this other guy played bass and sang. But I wrote a lot of the songs, guitar guitar riffs and stuff. But Justin and I were getting more and more into like noisier stuff and trying to push the band into like hyenas or, and then we, then we got into, then we went to that couch gig and it kind of changed everything. And we were like, fuck, we were like, we, so we broke up that band and we were like, we're going to start a new band. We don't play any real chords. And we started this band called Galen. We we played our first show. Let's see. We had met Magus and Pete. I remember we went to go see a 68 Comeback play at where the Misfits played. Union Ballroom. Yeah, uh, the classic venue. And yeah. Stooges. And, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. So, yeah, yeah, 68 Comeback was playing there. And we went to that. And Pete and Jim asked us to open for Couch for their next show, which was at the Performance Network. That was our first concert, was opening for Couch and Math, which was Mr. Quintron's, uh, early, one of his early bands. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, because those guys were bringing, all, all the Chicago bands were coming to Ann Arbor to play. Those guys were bringing them in at that time. Right. Yeah. But, uh, so then I eventually, 
moved to Ann Arbor. Well, we played, we would play some shows together. Then I moved to Ann Arbor after high school, like 95-ish, and became closer friends with, with like Twig and Nate. And Yeah. 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 So, oh yeah. So, I mean, then I can, we can just uh, jump over to that. Yeah. What's the uh, genesis of then you starting Nautical Almanac, which is the project that you maybe are most associated with? Yeah, I guess Nautical in the way was like, the kind of how to remedy what scheme had been in my brain. I was like, okay, it's like open membership, no rules. And you know, it's not in I, I, Okay. We have to do something that has a little more, uh, you know, be a little more in control with the vision kind of pull in the, uh, the freaks that are more aligned. And the first, it was like Tom Kleepak and Nathan and me and, um, God, uh, God, I'm forgetting her name. That cheerleader girl? Oh, no, uh, pa- Patty. Yeah, Patty, was that? Yeah, right? Patty. I got it. It's well, all... there was Patty, but then the cheerleader girl, too. Yeah, this is all, my mind's gone about this. Uh, but we, yeah, we had a sort of like this one form, and then it slowly turned into like a three-piece, which the first record was with, with Solomon, Nathan, and me. Um, and that's us, like, you know, percussion guitar and electronics or organ or other stuff that was around and so yeah (laughs) i guess that's it so you and nate started it together as like a was it like your project or was it like as just like this collaborative thing between you guys i mean i i don't really ever feel any ownership about anything um so yeah i mean i don't know but it was based on a book right wasn't it a book that you and tom klepak yeah he found a book and then um so not a column are used for people who sail on the seas and they're just books of uh, you know i don't know tides or uh, you know stars or i don't know what they are a bunch of numbers books full of numbers and then tom was started writing like uh uh, limericks Dirty in there. nursery rhymes, right? Yeah, he was like <laughs> X-rated nursery rhymes, <laughs> and this is, yes. And so that was kind of like the genesis. Of it. <laughs> so that's what the, yeah. that was the original, uh, like the, uh, the very first. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah there's yeah. a video like, well, that I shot from when we played with you, and it's it's Twig on guitar, Nate on guitar, Tom Klepek. Mm-hmm playing drums with two huge cow femurs on like oh. like uh, uh, rubber or plastic garbage cans yes and then some girl cheerleading <laughs> yes total makes no sense you have a video of this yeah yeah oh it's on it's on youtube or maybe on my vimeo or something i like sheep <laughs> Vaguely remember hearing that you 
left you had you had to leave Michigan is that true or you went to Chicago Yeah I had I had to leave in a uh, in a trunk of a car because the police <laughs> were trying to arrest me without a warrant So they were showing up at at the place of my work and looking for me in our house Yeah they they Whoa. like busted in the your your guys like I live two doors down from the Huron house and another one but since where Aaron was living is the more obvious spot they they just like busted in right I don't they know knock, they, I think uh, so yeah. the way I remember it you guys were trying to wake me up to go there was mm-hmm. a everybody was going to go protest the KKK rally that wow. was happening heavy yeah and yeah. You guys couldn't wake me up, or I was just like, I, I can't, like, you know. It was probably, you know, one in the afternoon, and I'm like, oh, no, I gotta sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta watch uh, Planet of the Apes again. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. Yeah, I was up last night watching all the Planet of the Apes still. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, uh, uh, yeah, and then next thing I knew, I was woken up by Nate being like, "Dude, we gotta hide Twig. The cops are after Twig." And I'm like, "What the fuck?" And then I don't, I don't really remember much yeah. of anything else. But yeah, so ba- yeah. And there was we, video we tape of you like throwing rocks at cops and throwing tear gas at yeah. cops. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely like you know, protest. Uh, KKK comes to town, and. Everyone rolls in, you know, Ann Arbor, pretty lefty zone. Obviously, every, there's going to be a million more protesters than actual, you know, KKK members that came out from the sticks. You know, it's just a big political show. And then the cops just started t- uh, macing everybody. Um, and we all of a sudden, like, yeah, we're there. We just start, I, I start, like, I'm hanging out and the first tear gas canister, like, lands by my feet. So I just pick it up and I turn and I see, like, about a hundred cops without face with gas masks on. So I throw it at them, you know, it's just like, that's like, what this you do. Is the first one. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, Oh yeah. Boom. Throw it in that other direction. So I ended up like tear gassing a fuckload of cops. And then we, everyone started throwing rocks at the cops, you know, then it was no longer the cake. Fuck the KKK. No one cares about them. It's like that. Now we're at war with the cops. Um, I think someone did throw a really good shot and like smashed one of the KKK guys. And there's like all this really great photos of just him in his robe with like blood pouring down his face. Um, but yeah, so it's just kind of, and then cops pushing the crowd back and then like people got pushed up against city hall and then people just smashed every window out of city hall. Wow. And oh, then so everyone scattered. Yeah. 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 It was, it was a full blown, like small scale riot, you know? And then everyone kind of got pushed into the city center, and then it was just one of these things where, you know, just cop cars everywhere, everyone's scattering, everyone's hiding, cops are all da-da-da-da-da-da. I, I managed not to get grabbed. Like duck well, into they're sp- coming for you now, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, They've been exactly. intercepting. <laughs> <laughs> I managed not to get grabbed. I duck into my friend's house and then, like, get a car ride back to the houses. And then for the next three days, you know, it's like, there's obviously a lawyer steps up pro bono to, to, to uh, work with anyone who got arrested or who's about to get arrested. And so, you know, a day or two later, I got the guy's number. I talked to him. He's like, I don't see your name on uh, on the list. Oh, my God. But they had been coming to they've been coming to work. I mean, and we were already known the cops already did not like us in town because we were just 
rabble rousers, you know, we like were like punk, bad punk house rabble. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Punk house yeah. rabble rousers. We were just always up to shenanigans. Not good, you know. Um, and so he was just like, there's not a warrant for your arrest. You know, they're coming to your work. They're coming into the, the other house, you know, looking for you. Like, get how get soon after town. this was this that that day? Or that, it was a couple or, or days, maybe couple a week. Days, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think. Yeah, that I night... remember it was a couple days of just like kind of like going over and you know talking with Carly and Reshma and like what's going on, what's yeah. happening, and yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. The thing that got me to get out of town was. I think there was a phone call to the house and they're like, hi, is Twig there? And, and, uh, Carly was like, who's this? Like a friend, you know? And then she like looks out the front window and sees a bunch of cars like waiting there. And then, so like next thing I know, like they throw me in the trunk of a car and we just drive to Chicago, you know, and get, get the hell out of town. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 Holy until shit. everything yeah, you ended up coming back for a while yeah because i had to deal with the legal stuff once that lawyer yeah. got it all together yeah 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 because yeah. there's actually uh there's a picture on the on the poster that came with the first nautical almanac record there's a really small picture and you it, it's silk screened you know over top of other shit but you can see there's a picture it's it's the three of you it's you nate and saul in a bunch of armed cops, like with helmets and riot oh. gear on. Yeah. That, okay. suppo- that, if I remember right, is from that day. I would imagine so, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And first, first Nautical Almanac record is on Hanson. Is that true? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. So we, yeah, Twig and I and Nate and Saul, and we all put our money together to put out these three records. And, uh, was the first Nautical Almanac record, the Flossing, the Unicorns LP, and the Ron Japan 45. Yes. Was that the first three? Uh... Yeah, they all came out at once. Wow, amazing. But yeah, so that, so you had gone to Chicago, but then you came back and you were like staying with Jay, right? At that time, or? I don't, that was a yeah, little I later. This, is, all, this is a real hazy period. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's up with Steve Mike, man? What's up with what's up with uh, what's up with Andrew WK? I think people want to know. <laughs> so Andrew was also went to the same high school as me and Nathan, but he's a, he was like a couple grades below us. Even though you know, I mean, I wasn't really in any grade. I was just showing up to school to meet people. <laughs> <laughs> like we're not officially recognized as being in any specific grade. <laughs> so I mean, I I I mean, I I I saw Andrew and, and like met him, and he's always like the kind of like at first he was just like who's this like scared little shy guy kind of poking around the corners trying to like be like what's going on, but not really knowing how to like kind of get in. But then you know, but then he did like you know, I mean, that's like probably like three four months later. And uh, I feel like he was, he had his crew too that were, God, Aaron, what's the name of all those? Lab Lobotomy. Yeah, 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 yeah. With those guys. So they started playing shows 
yeah, so Galen and yeah. Lab Lobotomy would play the gigs together. And uh, those were his high school buddies. But yeah, Andrew was like 15. He had, he had, when I first met him, he had, I think, green hair. Oh, I think our art teacher introduced me and Andrew. Maybe that was it. My art teacher was like, you should meet Andrew. Anyways, side note. But yeah, he was like this kid who was just really stoked on shit. Like really excited and into making making stuff and, and really talented too and, i mean i remember seeing the first time yeah. him playing yeah his drumming i was just like this kid's on next level you know if, as i'm i'm believing you guys that he's a real person because that's a whole that's a whole uh, lore there that maybe people remember maybe people don't but that he if he actually you know what while we're on that can somebody just explain the like Steve Mike lore the story briefly just for the record of like this whole rumor that i think you started twig that he's not a real person <laughs> did i <laughs> that's as far as far as i remember that's that's what i that's what i know i mean i guess the lore is that there's a shadowy cabal possibly a person or not person that invented the uh, uh a rock star called Andrew W that may or may not be a person and uh you know throughout the years that person andrew wk has confirmed and de denied it separate times that steve mike is actually you know a real cabal or person <laughs> behind everything <laughs> yeah he blew up right around 9 11 right yeah. around 9 11 yeah which is a whole yeah, there's yeah. a whole a lot of symbology, mm -hmm. a lot of coincidences there. Mm -hmm. But what did the name Steve Mike originate from? And what was that? I don't on? know if we can really talk about it. Yeah, we signed an NDAs about a lot of this. <laughs> NDA, yeah. that's right. But were you guys, like, when he was, like, getting played on, like, MTV and doing all that, were you guys still friends? Were you still hanging out? Was he still in Michigan? Well, or? he he did a, I mean, this, we, we seriously could do a whole another episode. But no, we were, there was about a year when we, none of us heard from him and it was when he was working on the record. And then once he, With Steve once, Mike. yeah, <laughs> then <laughs> once the, the record thing, came yeah. out, we all went to those shows, you know, he put us on the lists for those shows and we'd go talk to him backstage and just be like, what the fuck? You know, like it was yeah. incredible. I think I cried the first yeah, yeah, time yeah. I saw him. I was like, this is like, he, he did it, you know, like this is so intense. You and Nathan moved to New York, lived with Andrew, and that's, like, as the whole kind of build up to be, like, what is, you know, who is actually in Wolf Eyes yeah, and who's in true. Andrew WK Band, and, you know, like, that's a whole little thing, because I remember Andrew's first idea was, like, who was going to be in the band. It was, like, Dirty Tony, yeah, you guys... Maybe me, yeah. Yeah, that. at first, yeah, he was, his plan, he, he wrote it all out, like, he's going to move to New York, he's going to do this, he's going to get signed, he's, but he, he used to play me songs over the phone, like his demos for his first album, but even before then, he was making, he was making recordings in New York under the name Wolf Eyes, and then eventually, Nate and I were going to move out there, and we were going to become a band, three of us. Wait, so he was making recordings, Andrew WK was making recordings as Wolf Eyes. Was he yeah. putting them out? Or no, he was just no, he would just send them to us. And they were kind of like, they kind of sound like John Carpenter or something. It was like kind of synth prog sort of stuff. But then eventually it became like, he's going to do this solo thing. 
and me and Nate and Dirty Tony were going to be the band. We even he even like we have photo. Fo- there was a photo shoot with the four of us as a band, and then Nate and I moved out there. This would have been '99, I guess, and we lived out there for two months in his in his place, and uh, it was just like we were getting. Point. We were pretty deep into Wolf Eyes stuff at this point, and we were trying to get make more like stranger music than we were before and he was trying to make more you know pop music so it didn't really mesh but we yeah i remember you know there were nights where he's teaching nate how to play bass and stuff i was gonna be the drummer nate was gonna be the bassist (laughs) yeah but we did get some things out of that he recorded the fortune dove 12 inch for us that was recorded there and then he and i did the beast people 10 inch it was like the Beast People opera record. Yeah, Beast People is a pretty like notorious project for that I you know heard about <laughs> for years. Do you guys want to talk just talk a little bit about Beast People and the Genesis and what the concept was all about? Well, were you there when I first came home? I had go- I had been at Harold's and smoking their really good him and Sean's really good weed, and I I got this idea for the filthiest band like a band of just like filthy fucking just so i came home i'm like all right we're starting a new band it's called the beast people and i i i was like first song i don't bathe and oh yeah we, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and we just i think we just went down and started recording so i think the first tape has got like stuff that just nate recorded stuff that just twig recorded stuff that's all of us it was like kind of turning into a caveman sort of beast like caveman band yeah yeah like <laughs> beast, yeah. beast people like we, yeah. we we stopped saying actual words yeah we did a bunch of gigs we were uh carrie lauren from destroy monsters he kind of got obsessed with us and kept booking us um, but then at one point I was like, you know, I was like, we neither need to stop or we got to up the game. Cause the, I was like, the costumes are, I think it was like seeing Carolina and seeing force field. I was like, man, if you're going to do costumes, you gotta, it's gotta be like fucking, you know, like the two of them, or it's like, you forget you're watching actual humans, you know, it's yeah, gotta, they're so like, they involved. both took it to like a Jim Henson level you know where it's like it's, i remember seeing force field the first time and i was just like it was scary you know it was like th- th- you know i didn't think like i'm watching people i thought i was watching you know fucking aliens or something and so i was like if we're gonna keep doing it it's gotta be like that you know but then it but it was yeah our costumes were pretty like you know it's just like whatever's laying around oh we had a horse too at one point you had a Remember? you had a horse. Yeah, we rented, yeah. yeah, we rented a horse costume. Yeah, the Gotha show, a yeah. two person, a two you know, person like horse person. costume, and then the beasts were inside. <laughs> well, I remember it, the horse came in eventually, like fell asleep on a synth, and so its head's <laughs> just on the synth. Yeah. 
I'm just trying to think of the time period that like you and Carly had the mystery spot and Nate was living there and we would come out to play. Oh, there, there was the black Friday gig and that was a big one where it was like at the Congress theater. It was like, uh, wolf eyes, universal Indians. I was playing in both bands. It's before Olsen Mm -hmm. had joined wolf eyes nautical. And those were the first, uh, wolf eyes shows. Yeah. First Wolf Eye show I saw, I remember, was Nate was still living in Chicago. And he was doing, like, he had his circuit bent keyboard. And he would just kind of hit it and let it play. And it, remember, he would drink wine. And he would kind of yeah, do, yeah. like... He's a real classy this, gentleman. Yeah. yeah. He, would kinda, he would, like, do poetry over this, like, these songs <laughs> yeah. that were just... He'd, like, you know, hit the demo button or something. But he had fucked it up so much that it just sounded it's insane. Just spitting out electronic gibberish. Yeah. yeah. Right. And he's like, he was really fucking funny. Like, <laughs> and that was like, I had never seen like, or the, uh, you know, I didn't know about the term of circuit bending. You know, you guys just all started fucking with that stuff. And Well, we didn't really see anyone else do it. I think it was like, that comes from like for me, like using tapes and just kind of being like, I can't afford musical instruments. I can't afford to like invest the time to learn music theory. Uh, so like, <laughs> how do we, how do we do this? You know, and then slowly figured out like, oh, you can short circuit, you know, open things up. You short circuit these keyboards and put a switch or change things out. You know, um, I'm trying to think. Did you when we when Wolf Eyes became a trio? Did we do tours with Nautical or just like kind of one-off shows with you and Carly? But I feel like there was, didn't we do a tour where you were like a roadie, but didn't play? Am I thinking right? I mean, I went on the, I went on the, 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 the in like around what time? Like, so, cause what was the Lollapalooza didn't happen tour? Cause I was, Oh with yeah, that, that was it. The yeah, Sonic yeah, Youth yeah. tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we toured with Sonic Youth. You were like our merch dude, roadie, kind of. Well, yeah. I mean, okay. So, do you want to um, do you want to maybe just talk a little bit about just that Sonic Youth tour and like kind of what led up to it and that, and then I don't know, maybe just like the just like the sub pop record or I don't, you know, just kind of that period is interesting because it's like the the end of your time with the band, but it was sort of like a peak for sort of that scene in a way you know just that kind of time period yeah we did the record it was i love that record and uh we yeah we did a couple shows we'd like play chicago and detroit with sonic youth if they were coming through and uh we had done that a bit earlier uh thurston had uh universal indians open for sonic youth in like 97 when like back when i first joined the band like i was so it was like they did the first half of the show without me, and then I came out and did the second half with them. It was like, I think I had joined the band like a month early, and, or wasn't even in the band, actually. It was like I had just started jamming at some parties with them. What was their, I mean, how did Thurston find out about them? Or like, what, what was that, do you know? Um, he was buying shit from, from Olsen back from, you know, he probably got the stuff from, you know, reading Banana Fish as well. Because I, I, I remember bringing him a Galen record to give him, and I gave it to him at the show, and he's like, I already got this. And he gave <laughs> it to, classic, to Lee, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he he followed all this shit. 
you know, and we had been touring like crazy. We did the Sub Pop record, and then they asked us to play Lollapalooza. I, th- I wait. I think it was the other way around, because I was at I went to Sub Pop on that tour. We all went there to the Sub Pop offices, and it was it was the contract was signed then because it, everyone was like, "What? Who are you? Who are you really? <laughs> oh, gonna do are this? you there with us? Like when we went to that meeting, and they're like, "How do you yeah. want to market?" this and we're like yeah and everyone's skateboard like, and metal magazines i remember saying <laughs> skateboard magazines heavy metal magazines. yeah it was on because it was on that tour because okay. i was there yeah that seems weird so doesn't it yeah so yeah that that tour it was wolf eyes opening for sonic youth but that was originally supposed to be Lollapalooza. yes okay that's that's right that's right i heard about that yeah wolf eyes was supposed to play Lollapalooza, <laughs> and that's when i it kind of freaked me out like really yeah well we it, it was like you know erica and i were gonna get married i was gonna go to nepal like after the tour but it was like it, it's when the band became more of a job than three buddies freaking each other out you know and so there was you know it was like that's when like it was like these you know we're gonna get paid all this money and like you know and now when i'm looking back on it it was like not that much fucking (laughs) (laughs) like a couple couple thousand dollars (laughs) yeah but it was like uh you know i was like i'm gonna leave you know it's like we had all this momentum at that time but i'm like well i'm gonna leave for six months and i felt like i had to like the all the it was like as soon as i'd get in the swing of like being back at home after a tour, it was like, up oh, time to leave and go on tour again. And I I couldn't keep up with the pace. And so, it, you know, it became difficult. Like, it, it affected the friendship side of things. But that tour was, you know, incredible. You know, it's like, I remember the, the Mothers Against Noise thing was born on that tour. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you want to talk a little bit about Mothers Against Noise? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Another classic uh yeah. Shenanigans. That yeah. was, I think it, we first started it in San Diego or something. And we told the people that, like, I don't know, we were hanging out with somebody and we said that our gig the night before had gotten picketed by a bunch of concerned mothers. Because we were, yeah, we were like joking about the fact that we were like touring with Sonic Youth. We're like, yeah, you know, like... This is going to be it. This is going to be the new dangerous <laughs> music, you know, like, kids are going to be onto this, and w- what does the dangerous music need is, like, a, a concerned parental group against it. And so it's like, okay, if it's not going to happen, at least, I guess we could yeah. just make it happen. So we started you know? telling everybody yeah. about yeah. it, yeah. and uh, <laughs> then we ended up getting interviewed by, like, Spin Magazine and somebody else... God, I wish I had the transcripts of that. Because I'm sure we all told different stories, too. Because it was like, yeah, but like what it is we're, we're what all like there. kind of freaking out, like calling each other, like, all right, we got to get our story straight. And like, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, within a day, it was all like they figured it out that it was bullshit. But then. Well, did the the website came before the maybe the oh yeah yeah so so I think it, we made it up on tour and started it, there was like in one interview someone maybe Olson dropped dropped the fake thing and then 
I remember being back home and just being like, yeah, whoa, oh yeah, I can just make a website. And like, let's just see how much how much this actually has any legs, you know? See how we made and, a uh, list. Made the website. Of like gateway bands. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> like Radiohead and Pink Floyd. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, and everything was misspelled and written. The syntax was really bad. And so it's like, you know, just the classic, you know, people are going saying that like, John Cage, uh, four three three is about uh, the amount of active components in marijuana. Um, you know, just completely <laughs> wrong information. So it's like, <laughs> so like, get everybody like you know, the nerds will get angry because the information's it's not wrong. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like a really big like, send us an email on the website, you know, and then so. The emails would come in, and there'd be like people writing these very heartfelt things, being like, "You're totally wrong. This is not right. Like, this oh, is oh yeah. Just, Do you have the? Because the... like friends of ours were even that didn't. Yeah, were people like... were trying to get on the list. Wow. You know, like, yeah, oh, the you know, friends. Of, I, <laughs> can I get on the list? Knew, like let that oh were replying to it, like being pissed. Yeah. Yeah, people were either pissed or being like, we're really dangerous. Put us on the list. We're the worst band ever. (laughs) And they just like feel embarrassment for your friends who are like trying to. (laughs) Like trying to like get on. Oh, yeah. Trying to get on the bad, bad boys list. (laughs) Oh, man. But then, then you gave the login info to some drum and bass dudes and they took over the website. No, no, no. The drum and bass dudes were like early they saw it and yeah. they made it they're like oh we love we're concerned parents too like yeah. and we registered they automatically registered it thinking we were a parents group and they were trying to hijack it oh yeah that's what um, it was. oh so they, they didn't even know yeah they didn't know it was a joke <laughs> oh so it got like pretty but you uh, were messaging wormy. with them yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. Didn't I was you messaging. Give them the info too. Well, they just they they like cloned the website and registered the website. Okay. And, and then yeah, 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 next thing you know, the whole website is just a drum and bass comp or like Gabber, which like is Gabber also amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which makes it so much more confusing <laughs> and so perfect. When you got the first Mothers Against Noise, you used the music Universal Music Group's address? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the other layer was that registering it to Universal Music, so if anyone did any sleuthing, it would see like, oh, this is an obvious fake marketing ploy. You know, but it seemed like it was bigger. Well, it talks about it being related to Andrew WK. Yeah, yeah, too. yeah, yeah. So it pulls into the whole... Andrew WK Steve Mike thing which also adds to this the the part of like at during no fun when I was trying to do all the actual protests and organize actors to do it 
that that evening when nautical we drove up there and we're trying to do it two minutes before the doors open on the festival like we got a phone call and that's when tarantula yeah. hill caught fire God, yep. that's right well yeah yeah, oh, yeah, I didn't yeah. Realize that it yeah. corresponded right with that. Oh, yeah. So, it, so, so it adds, you know. So, like in my, so I like was having a mental breakdown in general because I was like, is is my building really on fire? Is it not? Are people fucking with me because I've been fucking with everyone else? Like the whole sense of like what is real is not real kind of really c- cracked me open in that way. You know, was it some? You know, Andrew's psychotic, obsessive fans came and torched Tarantula when I was gone. You know, was it just an accident? Who knows, you know? When did you buy T. Hill? What year was that? Well, we moved in April Fool's Day, 2001. Yes. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So we were like, because that was our whole thing. Live in the mist spot, save all our money. But, you know, after seeing so many people not being able to maintain spaces or keep their creative practices going, we obviously knew, like, okay, yeah, you got to buy a building and got to have a home base um, and got to, like, you know, just for us, is like we're doing things that will never make money. You know, there's just not a, there's no model and it's not going to happen. So we got to just figure out how to live cheaply as possible so we can stay uh, focused on art and community. Um, so we bought that you know, building, which was basically an abandoned building, hadn't been lived in since the seventies. And just, you know, we dumped all our money into it and just worked on it nonstop. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so what happened with, with T Hill and everything now, I don't, I don't think I ever heard you just, you sold it, but you, Oh, right now. Yeah. I'm, I, I passed it on, sold it to uh, a person in Baltimore. Basically, with all this, I got rid of all my archives. Aaron's got those. I sold it, sold off basically everything I own. Uh, sensory deprivation tank is still there, and sauna is still there, and a lot of the tools. I was just like, yeah. So, the person running it now is, um, you know, he he does uh, renovation construction, so it's a good workspace for him. And uh, one of the roommates stayed there in the house, so he's going to just keep doing it. And you know, counterculture, if you want to call it that, has always existed throughout culture. So it's uh, it's the same it's the same spirit, it just changes forms. So some somewhere it's going to happen somehow. And, and it is happening. I'm sure we're just too old to be hip to it. We're too old to know. <laughs> well, that might actually be a really positive note to to end to end it on to wrap it up. Ooh, on. Thanks, man. Well, thank you guys so much for talking with me. This That's was like fun. a nice a nice afternoon Word. of chopping it up and learning some new stuff about my friends so yeah well i'll talk to you guys soon yeah great, great to chat i'll cool. see you guys bye Peace out. thanks to aaron and twig for joining me to speak about their lives in music and beyond if you like this episode be sure to subscribe to 400 floor wherever you get your podcasts to hear the raw and uncut version of this episode plus much more bonus material you can purchase it at 400floor.com that's the number 400 and the word floor.com. 400 Floor is a podcast produced by Nina Protocol, where two musicians pair up to talk about their roots individually and together and reflect on the communities that shaped them. We'll be back in a few weeks with another deep dive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.